Oh boy, it's an Overnightscape Central once again, and of course I am your humble host, PQ River. Oh man, what a week, and uh, I completely spaced out that this is a holiday weekend, which are notoriously quiet on the central front which is completely understandable i mean people are spending time with their families and traveling and doing stuff and uh especially when i throw a curveball like this week's kooky topic uh yeah things can quite possibly get just a little funky so uh yes we do have a uh, overnightscape central nonetheless and the topic is surrealists one and uh, it, it it had questions a series of questions this week uh, it's just frank and i boy i, I uh, and and i'll be i'm sure uh making comments here and in the upcoming quake reversal satellite about the uh, summit meeting, whatever. Uh, Frank came out here, for those of you who didn't catch up on that, although I would assume you've at least seen that seven and a half hour uh, overnight scape. I made the over, I'm on the overnight scape. Hey, mom. But uh, yeah, Frank came down here, and um, amazingly, I mean, we really seem to have a rapport, and he. It, I I think he had a good time. I'm the world's, my social skills, as you may guess from my broadcast, uh, could be questionable and uh, fleeting. And uh, that this all worked out and I was able to be a, a, an adequate host is just very cool. And uh, Frank, Frank is everything he is. He is Frank Nora. I mean, it's... I guess like myself, somewhat of an amplification with a few edits, but that's it. You're getting the real deal there. There's no artificialness in the Frank Nora that I was able to detect. And yeah, we got the topic just to read it off once is Surrealists 1. Can you say what was the essential counter of your life? How far did you think and do you think that this encounter was fortuitous, necessary? And uh, let's hand it over to Frank, and uh, I maybe I'll jump in. Sometimes he just gets on. If somebody's on a riff, uh, I try not to interrupt and take. I just take notes. But uh, it's a it's a quiet central, and uh, you just uh, have been subjected to a seven and a half hour thing of Frank and I. So let's try to keep this succinct. Here's Frank. Hey, I'm at El Paso Airport right now. I got here uh, pretty early, you know, because I, I I started off this morning in uh, Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, visiting PQ, and uh, you know I left giving myself a lot of extra time. It was a pleasant drive down, uh, down here to uh, El Paso. I stopped at Exit Zero uh, to go to Love's uh, truck stop to fill up the gas tank of the car. You you know, you got to return that uh, with a full tank, so it was mostly full, I think. So, uh, yeah, um, this is a small airport. There's only two wings, the A and the B wing. I'm leaving from the B-Wing, but I figured I'd check out the A-Wing just because I have so much extra time. And uh, I found that there's this sort of um, 
this is corridor with windows on the sides and these big comfy chairs you can plug in you can, you can do uh, you can do anything so I figure I can record my central here and then uh, transfer it to my iPad and then send it to PQ right away I know we were hoping to do this as a round table with uh, Q and Twyla um, I, so I guess in a way this recording is sort of uh, this is after the uh, the big episode I don't know how long it's going to be I just finished it recording it uh, this morning the Overnightscape 1915 the New Mexico episode so that episode is finished but now I'm doing the this is the central about uh, encounters so this was quite an encounter this weekend uh, I met PQ for the first time ever in person uh, we had just known each other from a distance and uh, 13 and a half years ago I uh, he first emailed me he was doing a show called uh, that was based on his band at the time Conspiracy of the Insignificant and uh and since then, he's become, you know, sort of the huge presence on the channel here, hosting the Central and so many shows. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of times, like, I would listen to his show and he would listen to my show. But we didn't really talk back and forth very much. Uh, we had a few of those uh, before the exit ramp. We had a few of these, um, you know, we would just talk to each other over the Internet. But I think with the exit ramps, the first time we really started to just talk back and forth, you know, sort of by voice, you know. So it's been, uh, so to encounter PQ uh, in person was was really, really amazing. And I think that we sort of know each other so well because we listen to the our shows. Listening to each other's shows, we just get to know each other so much because our shows are very revealing of our personalities. But it was uh, quite the encounter. But of course, another, the other big encounter, of course, was with Q and Twyla, the sorcerers. And uh, I had been hearing them on PQ's recordings of Here and Hack and so many different things. As you, if you heard the interview on the episode I recorded, uh, I had a lot of questions for them, and they were very forthcoming with answers. I, uh, I still am, you know, not sure exactly. I still can't say I completely understand where they're coming from, what's going on. You know, it does seem that they are perceiving things that we that normal people can't perceive. Um, but it was fascinating. I stayed in their their house, the space castle, and that itself was an encounter to be in that space. The space castle is a former gas station right next to the Family Dollar there in T or C. See, truth or consequences, you can also call it T or C. In fact, when PQ and I went to the mall, that was another great encounter. P- me and PQ in the mall. Uh, the guy working at the appliance store was like, you know, he's like, I kept people kept telling me they're from Tier C, so he was writing down T E A R C, like a teardrop. Here's teardrop A, teardrop B, and here's Tier C. <laughs> he was writing that down until he finally found out it was truth or consequences. Um. But yeah, the Space Castle was really... They, they deliberately built it in a space that did not have a history of people living there. It was an industrial building. And uh, it's just full of this incredible artwork. And that was an amazing encounter as well, uh, to be in that space. And I, you know, as, as you know, if you heard the recording, you know, I, I would say that I feel that I can reach out with psychic senses, but certainly not at any considerable level. Uh, but I was really quite p- 
puzzled by the energy of the place. It just didn't... I couldn't really read it properly. Um, there was something else going on. And then something happened last night that kind of... Um, also... Uh, what's the right word for it? <laughs> Enhance that or, or reinforce that. The idea was that... Um, what I was seeing was kind of <coughs> reminded me of um, just sort of an empty landscape, an empty world, right? That was sort of interfacing with our world through that place. And the fact that it was a gas station is very interesting because um, back in, uh, I think when I was in Canada one time, many years ago, maybe it was 2014 or something, I had this incredible vision of going to the next world over right the idea is that there's um, what are they saying we'll see you soon oh okay <laughs> the airline is texting me anyway um, yeah this in this vision the idea is that like our world is one of many worlds that are sort of stacked on top of each other via higher dimensional geometry so the idea is you could, like, what we know of as Earth could be, there could be a hundred of them stacked within, like, a few inches, right? Um, so the idea is that the next one over, either hyper above or hyper below, using those that terminology right there, if you're just using the fourth dimension to move, there'd be one in one direction and one in another direction called hyper above, hyper below. You can sort of understand it by um, <clears throat> imagining a flat world, right? People that are flat, living in a flat plane, two-dimensional world. And just think of a stack of papers, you know. Each world is completely separate, but they're separated by a tiny distance. That's how three-dimensional volume worlds could be stacked, right? Um, but if you're only using the fourth dimension, which you could be using in other dimensions as well, imagine a one-dimensional world, which is just a line, right? In the th two dimensions up in the third dimension, you can stack them, um, right? Not just left to right, but up and down. Just imagine a bunch of wires all, all right next to each other. Right? Anyway, the next world over, um, I got a vision of a of a building that had been there just it felt like it had been there for thousands if not tens of thousands of years but it was like a weird little convention center and there was a uh, very a little half size like miniature model of a gas station there but it was thousands of years old now of course in our world gas stations weren't invented thousands of years ago um, so Staying at the Space Castle, which was formerly a gas station, I got that sense of an empty world again that it was interfacing with. And I, I wondered, I even talked, I mentioned it to Q, when I had that vision, which was maybe eight years ago, was I actually seeing the Space Castle in some way, right? <coughs> because of what else happened last night, I think would tend to um, show that the Space Castle may be able to uh, access other places, right? So what happened was this was quite an encounter. Um, they had this thing called the round room or the, the tube. Uh, 
It's a little. It's a. It's a cylindrical room, with a with a rug and a cushions on the floor and artwork on the walls, and almost like a tumbleweed hanging from the ceiling. And they use it for meditation. It could be absolute darkness. So PQ and I went in there last night. Although it was not 100% absolute darkness. There was a light in the hallway that you could slightly see. But, you know, if I looked away from it, it was very much absolute. My eyes were open. I wasn't seeing anything. So we were just in there, and I was, you know, really didn't feel anything. Um, after a while, I decided to reach out. And I, I thought what I was going to sort of... And I, I don't know how to describe it. Reaching out with your psychic senses, it's not something that... It's easy to describe. I know not everyone can do it, but again, I'm not like, I don't consider myself a psychic and I don't pursue it per se, but I can reach out with, with those senses. And the perceptions you get are, it's not like imagining something, it's not like physically seeing something, it's, it's a psychic sensation. I don't know, you, you, you perceive things very in, in great detail. It can be visuals, it can be voices, it can be a lot of things that are resolving in your mind's eye, basically. So I thought I was going to reach out and kind of get some sort of uh, impressions of what had gone on in there. I know the sorcerers do some kind of rituals in there and stuff. Apparently they say PQ was even there and they were opening por- They said they were opening portals to other worlds and they were visual, like you could see them. with. And, and Twyla was saying at one point that she did see like weird like giant creatures in the sky like with her actual eyes not with in her mind's eye uh, but anyway um, <clears throat> so I, was, I got absolutely nothing I mean I feel like um, if they had left psychic impressions uh, they were able to um, hide them from such a low level psychic as me you know they, there was a veil there that I could not pierce through um, I didn't perceive anything about them in, at all but I was still reaching out psychically. And um, <clears throat> after a while, I perceived a presence. And it was like it was right under us. And it was a what I described as a gentle desert spirit, a kind of a primitive mind. It, was, it felt like it was kind of circular and flat. But this was clearly a female spirit that was there. And... Um, <coughs> And it was below us, but it, it was looking at us and perceiving us. And that we were, uh, it was a very al- different alien kind of mind, a primitive kind of mind. In a similar way, way you can communicate with and have a, you know, communication with a dog or a cat. It was like that, but obviously it was a higher life form than a dog or a cat. It was um, a very, in- it was intelligent being, but I saw that it, <laughs> it existed, it appeared in the distant past, in, in the desert. Because I was seeing, before that, I was just seeing images of the desert, right? Ancient, unmoving, still, kind of like what I'd been experiencing in the, in the space castle. And um, so this is a spirit that lived there, and somehow, through this room, we connected with another world. And the inhabitants of that world... Um, were able to perceive us and see us. And I think like what PQ and I were kind of theorizing about is that <coughs> like I just got a, a sense of wonder and fascination from this spirit towards us that it was had seen us as this just sort of amazing amazing vision 
But I think it was seeing the stuff that was in our minds, you know, like all of our pop culture stuff and TV shows and video games and pinball machines and airplanes and and was really rather amazed by it. It was a very gentle presence, though. And I think we sort of thought what we were saying is um, the quality of our presence, I think, would be much different than the quality of the presence of the sorcerers and their apprentices. <coughs> that... In a way, I think PQ and I, we, our presence could be described as, as sort of gentler and, again, uh, than uh, the sorcerers. Because we're, we're very, I'm not, again, there's not a lot of uh, intention here. I was just reaching out a bit, probing a bit. Um, so it was just, <coughs> it wasn't, <coughs> it, was, it, it was absolutely an encounter. And then she was there, a female spirit was there. For a little while, and I was describing it to PQ in the darkness there, and um, and then after I don't know about five or ten minutes, I saw that she brought the rest of her tribe. Again, kind of circular, flat beings, um, but then again, that's also the shape of the the carpet. So I don't know if they were sort of imitating the shape of presenting as the shape of what we were sitting on I don't know but they did seem to have like just imagine a circle with like two eyes on it or something but they formed a circle around us and were, were watching us so the female spirit went and told them about us so they all came and also were in our presence and um, they were I think fascinated and um, appreciating being in our presence and it did feel like a transfer of information perhaps maybe a transgression of time to uh, transfer information from we were in the future and they were in the past. So I don't know what exactly happened, but when, when, the, the, uh, um, when the connection closed, it, to me it felt like it was, it was not... It, that was the, fin- the end of the, co- the connection. There was no continuing connection at all. It seemed like it was a very far distance that was connected with that, using that room. Um, the other theory I have is is the theory of iterations, where there's a... Uh, those spirits could have been existing on uh, May 28th, 2022, in an earlier iteration. The idea being that all of time is run from the beginning to the end, and a world is created and stuff happens and then the world, the whole universe ends, whatever. The idea that there's some mechanism by which uh, it's rerun, right? Another iteration uh, with refinements, right? So the idea the entire universe has a beginning and an end, iteration one may just be like almost nothing happens in the entirety of the universe. And then each successive iteration kind of um, adds um, details and the idea of creatures and beings and uh, technologies and pop culture and pinball and all that stuff like comes billions of iterations later. So that's another way of looking at it, not just past and future, but in terms of successive iterations. Um, each iteration having a complete past and future. It's quite the encounter, wasn't it? Yes, yes, it was. Yes, indeed. 
I like this seat. I'm just kind of leaning back on this comfy chair in the airport here. <clears throat> what about some, some other encounters? Well, of course, the, uh, my first day of college it was something like September 2nd or 3rd. 1985 in uh, Drew University in Madison, New Jersey. I was walking towards this orientation barbecue. I was not vegetarian yet. And I hear this fellow student saying, there's this woman he was talking, he's like, he's like, I enjoy exploring the mysteries of the universe. And as soon as I heard, I heard him say that, I walked up to him like, oh, I enjoy the mysteries of the universe as well. <coughs> and I don't know if the woman he was talking to was then just left and started talking and this was this guy Brian and we were talking about how we enjoy you know the mysteries of the universe comic books all this other stuff and then it's like oh well where, where, where did you live uh, uh, what, what, what's your dorm I'm like well I'm, I'm in Brown and Brian's like well I, I'm, I'm in Tolly and those yeah those two dorms are connected by the Tolly Brown Lounge yeah and he's like well what room are you in I'm like well uh, I'm in room 209 he's like really that's so strange I, I'm also in room 209 in Tolly so each of us had the room 209 in the adjoining dorms and uh, that encounter is what started the whole 209 thing with me. And that was really quite amazing. Oh, look, a Southwest plane is coming in. It just landed and it's going to come in and let the people out in El Paso. What does El Paso mean? It doesn't mean like the, uh, the con it's sort of like the connection, right? The El Paso. Let me see. El Paso. It's kind of, this is kind of a, Laid-back airport, I like it. Like, is it just the pass, basically? Yeah, it just means the pass. Like the passageway? Oh, so Juarez, which is very close to here, I'm very close to Mexico right now, it was called El Paso del Norte, del Norte the, the Northern Passage. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, because I guess they really did come down from, from the Mexico up on El Camino Real up to uh, Santa Fe, right? And seeing this landscape, it, it, this from here in El Paso up, up to, at least up to Truth or Consequence, is like this alien landscape with these weird mountains and arroyos and rolling weird hills and stuff like it, it, apparently they said it was uh, <coughs> the dead man's trail that um, if, if you had to if, if you were just walking it with carts it would take weeks and it was just like this extremely difficult passage right was it was it um, something something jornada del de muerto the dead man's trail yeah anyway it's quite a quite an encounter here. Yeah, I've never been over here before. You know, I've been in Texas before, but not this part of Texas. Um, I mean, in theory, I would like to go to Mexico, but uh, that was a whole other issue. I mean, I'm still not quite clear. Like, when I rented the car, they're like, "Yeah, don't you can't go to Mexico in this car. That's not part of the agreement." Um, but yeah, you know, like I I was looking out, like you know, apparently people from the U.S. go to Mexico to get dental work because like the dentists are like so much cheaper than U.S. dentists things like that 
So it, se- it seems that if you're over there in, in, in Juarez, there must be a lot of cars that have Texas license plates or New Mexico license plates. Um, but I didn't really see a lot of, like, Mexican license plates driving around the U.S. I, so I'm not sure if it goes both ways. Can someone from Mexico just easily cross the border here? That's what I, I just don't know. I don't know exactly how that works. Because I know, I know there's this huge controversy about the border, this and that, but... But they're saying this is that this is the biggest uh, binational like community. Juarez and El Paso are, you know, joined as one. It's a basically like one big met- metropolitan area. Um, what, it, half in one country, half in another. So I don't know. I will have to encounter the information at some point. <coughs> All right, I did find some information here. Can Mexicans easily visit the U.S. for vacation, just like we go to them with passports? No. Any Mexican citizen who wants to enter the U.S. needs to possess both a visa and be granted entry by CBP. Border Patrol, I guess. In order to do so, if they want to go shopping or for any other reason, there are a wide range of visa types to meet the many needs of Mexican citizens who want to come to the U.S., they apply for a visa, present themselves at the border, and if granted, enter the U.S. Unique to Mexico is the border crossing card, which is still a visa and allows them to move freely within a 25-mile range of the border so they can shop and visit family and whatnot. Hmm. They can still be turned away at the border for any of number of reasons, but the card is unique to the Mex- northern Mexican border. It's been informally dubbed the shopping visa. So. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, um, another encounter, of course, which which uh, was just uh, you know not even a year later after I met Brian was of course when I met Peter and then we we became the three weasels. Peter, I met at the birth control factory there, the Ortho Pharmaceutical in near Somerville, New Jersey, and um, we'd both just gotten some sort of orientation where we were wearing hairnets. I went into into the break room or the lunch room, and he was only, he was sitting in a, one of the tables just by himself with the hairnet on. So I walked over to him. I'm like, "Hey, you know, you're working here too? Yeah, this is pretty crazy, right? Yeah." And we've been great friends ever since. And then w- me and him and Brian, Peter and Brian, we became the three weasels. And you can hear numerous adventures of us here on the Ansug. So that was uh, quite the encounter as well. Then, of course, we have um, around the same time I met Brian was the the uh, the Mad Mike, of course, the, my radio co-host from Anything But Monday. He uh, someone who uh, lived on the same floor as me, so he lived. Maybe I'm Brown 202 or something, and I lived on 209. He was a year ahead of me, and uh, he would uh, somehow he'd come in our room and he would he would quote lines from the movie like Rambo: First Blood Part Two. And uh, so now we, we we became friends and we did a radio show together the following uh, semester. So that was another fateful encounter. And I'd say also my of course my wife Denise, we met um, in June of. 96, I had just moved up to Clifton, New Jersey, from Plainsboro, uh, quite a bit to the south, 
And I moved there because uh, Mad Mike was living there at the time. And uh, I went on America Online, AOL. And um, there was a North Jersey chat room, and, and, and we met on the chat room, and then we talked on the phone, and we met a few days later, went into New York City, and got some dinner, and we're hanging out on these church steps by Washington Square Park. And uh, about a year, year and a half later, we were married. And we're still married to this day. All these encounters. You know, and I say that my, my big influences in the, uh, in the arts, for example, um, David Letterman, for example, who's a huge influence on me, um, <coughs> somehow he was on NBC on, as a daytime TV host totally was not the right fit for him but I think it was during summer vacation from school in about 81 I think I think it was around 81 and somehow I was flipping through the channels and I got this this David Letterman the daytime show and I immediately loved it and um, became a big fan and then what the hell what's that sound um, he, he, his show got cancelled and uh, I guess later that year he they he was uh, he he got the late night show, and then he uh, did a, a stand up gig at a local community college, and we went to see him, and uh, so I saw him do stand up, uh, and the guy's like the guy who will be keeping you up late nights, David Letterman. So I was already a fan before the late night show even started. We saw the the show, and. Uh, I remembered one joke, and my father remembered one joke. So the joke I remembered was, you ever see these garbage trucks? They have this sign on the, on the back, do not follow. You know, I packed the kids in the car, and we were going to spend a lovely afternoon following the garbage truck. But once we saw that sign, we realized we couldn't do it. And then uh, <coughs> my father remembered, you know, uh, you know, you go to Howard Johnson's. I guess Howard Johnson's was still a thing back then, and... He's like, you know, the french fries are terrible. So I told the guy, these fries are horrible. So he just gave me more. I don't know if those were great jokes, but I'm just saying that we remembered some actual jokes from David Letterman. And then, of course, his show came on, and um, I think it was maybe around the time we first got a VCR, so we were we were taping it, because the show came on at 12, 12.30 at night after Johnny Carson. Um, so we would tape it and then watch it when we came home from school the next day. Right? So that was really an, an amazing encounter um, Howard Stern is another one where a guy my father knew was in D.C. and had really was a Howard Stern fan when he was in Washington, D.C. My father wound up buying uh, an album that Howard Stern released called Unclean Beaver. <coughs> but my father was kind of, you know, he was sort of uh, shocked at how dirty it was, I think. And uh, I think he gave it away or threw it away or something. But... Um, this guy told my father, oh, yeah, Howard's going up to New York. So I knew about it. So almost immediately, like, I would get home from school, and this was, like, 84, I think, and just lay in the bed and turn on, the, like, the clock radio. And th that was when he was like, this is WNBC, you know, and we... Uh, so I was a fan immediately. And that was when they didn't even bring Robin over. It was this uh, Charles McCord, some sort of, you know, the Robin was not uh, brought over yet. 
and I remember those days, you know. And it was Earth Fred Nars with Earth Earth Dog Fred. Um, and it was just a huge influence and a huge fan. <coughs> of course, Gene Shepard, I think, was the most the biggest influence on my show, uh, the shows here on the Onsug. My father had been a fan, and he was describing. He would talk to me sometimes about Gene Shepard, even though I think he was listening. I was still a kid, and I was a little bit late to listen. I don't know if it was like at 10.30 or 11.30. And then I think uh, he, uh, Gene Shepard stopped on the radio, really, in 77. So I would have been like nine at that point. Um, but my, I remember my father quoting me one of the, the uh, shows where Gene Shepard was talk, talking about a guy who... Instead of eating, he would just go outside restaurants and smell the smells coming out of the restaurants and got sustenance from that, something like that. But of course, and then my father had a few books, like In God We Trust, All of This Pay Cash by Gene Shepard. That was one of those, uh, you know, like signs you'd see at a store. In God We Trust, All of This Pay Cash. Um, I, guess, I guess people, there was a big problem taking bum checks you know, like people writing bad checks was a big problem. But anyway, um, I I found this place called Fathead Central, and they had collected like thousands of episodes of of Gene Shepard, and had them on DVD DVDRs burned, and I you had to order them. And they came in the mail, and the, the idea was that you had to copy them and then mail mail them back, and I did, and I listened to every single one of those over the course of about a year around somewhere 2000, 2001, 2002. Completely changed my life and my perspective. I learned how to do a monologue show from listening to Gene Shepard. And uh, that was a super important encounter. Then then as, you know, uh, after really learning from the master by listening to his shows, I started The Overnight Escape in March of 2003. I'm still doing it today. Like literally, I I finished that, that huge episode today. And the central, I you know, is, is is a similar kind of monologue. As I say, bienvenidos nice. to El Paso. All right, so I think I can actually. All right, so uh, yeah, I have the, I have the technology to transfer this right now to PQ. But yeah, it's going to be a long day of travel. I'm not going to get get home. I'm going to be landing at 10:44 p.m in New Jersey well it's two hours later there so. but this is the travel day back to you PQ oh yeah people are influences and how we met the most important people always seems to be at least for me just odd and circuitous or something or you know the family people you know this is going into my own I can't say that there's any one person. And uh, before I, I get too far into that, I mean, the, the big elephant in the room is, of course, this enca- the, the, the tube encounter, this experience. Um, you guys know me. I'm the biggest skeptic in the world here. So, uh I'm going with, if you actually, you got to listen to the whole after talk uh, to quickly reiterate my take on it, 
what I experienced in that darkened room was initially this feeling, which I suppose is common when one is in a completely dark place, that there were no walls and I could almost feel uh, an endless horizon around us in all directions. Uh, certainly that the room was far bigger than I know the room we were sitting in was. And when he first mentioned this one being, you know, still, I, I, I had not lost that perception. I, and this is where, is this the power of suggestion or is this some sort of weird side confirmation? When he started talking about it brought back its tribe and they're all around us, I couldn't see them but I could no longer see this endless horizon around us. Uh, I don't... I'm very... I, <laughs> I really don't know what to say about this experience because I don't want to... I mean, Frank experienced something there and no there wasn't any like uh, peyote buttons or any of that kind of crap uh i mean I, he had a beer uh but i i am going to suggest a few things here um if you can get a room a small area you can get comfortable in in your home dark and quiet which a lot of places you probably can't but if you can uh, I am suggesting and I'm gonna try to do this myself if not possibly I'm not sure if I can I mean the the tube is in the same town as me but that's not my place and I don't know most nights I assume other people are in there or whoever the the puts it back together and makes it nice again is making it nice is doing it but if i can make some um you know use my influence with q and twyla to go in there and do some literally solo experiments in that quiet dark tube and maybe work on something that i think it could be the, the darkness or the lack of light input could be improved and some experiments and uh, again I suggest if you have a situation where you can do this and you have the time and uh, curiosity uh, I this I'm curious this is an occurrence and I have always said I do believe in phenomena I don't necessarily buy explanations of phenomena. I mean, it is... I, I, I do think if, if the tube is built to open this portal to other worlds and other entities, indeed what, as Frank said, uh, while the sorcerers are putting out a certain energy and that would attract uh, a certain thing we were putting out just for the, 
if that portal opens out into anything, they never heard or thought anything like that. The few times I've been in the tube, my mind was not focused on the our pop culture universe. And uh, over the course of this weekend, it, we were just... Like I, this was, I mean, you want to talk about an encounter that I think will have ripples into the future in all kinds of directions. Uh, this was really uh, meetings of remarkable men. Uh, it's, it's very, how many times in any of our lives do we meet somebody who it like resonates like that? And yes, we've listened to each other and that helped. I mean, I would cue the first time that I met Q and Twyla, uh, I, I, I thought they were a couple of kooks, <laughs> and that they, they know this, and I think I told them at a certain point, I had been in town for not too long, and I was working as the barista, and the only barista for I don't know how many miles in any direction, because truth or consequences, it was just like that at that point in time, and New Mexico was like that. So I got to meet just about anybody who would go out and want a better than, you know, quickie diner cup of coffee. And they started coming in and talking to me at the counter. And then, you know, it was a very social environment at this coffee shop, which was known as Coffee, Tea, or C. You figure the pun out. Uh, at the first about year and a half more or less that I lived in TRC. That was my job. I was the barista to the universe seven days a week. And did we just, we didn't get that close at first. I mean, we had very long conversations with me being completely skeptic and them pay. One thing I admire about Q is his ability to patiently explain amid my necessarily uh, <clears throat> frenetic dubiosity and uh, Twyla too that they're just they're a really interesting couple when they walk down the street more often than, or than not they still hold hands um, and, and I'm just really glad that everything again came through because I, as I'm not Mr. Social Skills, uh, this all just came together very nicely. And we the, the big fallout that's that's uh, we will uh, potentially hear from the sorcerers and their interpretation of our experience. Uh, and the things settle with time. I mean, and if nothing else, it's a great story. And you all know that PQ River loves a story. And really, I, I'm as far as the surrealist end of all of this, uh, I'm going to try to reconcoct and we're going to do, uh, I, we're going to hit the surrealist end of these things. Uh, I briefly discussed the concept with Frank over the weekend, but uh, other, boy, what a weekend. Uh, and to clear the palate between this and anything else, uh, I think next week uh, we should talk about 
newspaper comics on the Overnight Scape Central. Um, it's a topic, and, and this is something, I mean, will there be newspapers or newspaper comics in a very few years? That could be a big question, but newspaper comics is the topic for next week's Overnightscape Central. Uh, the topic that I posited for this week, if anybody wants to hit it or anybody has any comments or responses to uh, the shenanigans that went on on Frank's big trip, I the Quake Reversal satellite, you want to record something asking questions or making comments, and uh, I will freely answer, and I will get Frank if there's any questions. I will uh, use my uh, influence to say uh, if needed uh, to get his slant on things but uh, the we will let's put that over for a quake reversal thing I mean if there's any uh, uh, if any of you uh, want to dig further I'm more than <laughs> happy to dig further and uh, figure out this mystery together because uh, yeah if nothing else it's a mystery uh, the email address, if you have never participated in an Overnightscape Central and all this hubbub, has finally made you see the magic light that uh, maybe you, too, could be one of us. Uh, the email address is kpqr.torc at gmail.com. And if Frank's experience made you feel like you would like to come here. I mean, I can't promise you the sorcerers. They come and go, and it is less like... I mean, you can have me, but I'm not Q and Twyla. Uh, and I'll be as good a host as I can under the circumstances. Uh, but if this inspired you in some way to maybe visit here... Uh, by all means, I'm not hard to reach. Be in touch, and we I'll do what I can first to feel you out to see if you're going to enjoy it here, and second to uh, get you into that space castle, or if that might be something that sounds I don't know. I, as far as I'm concerned, if you can come to T or C and you can have the space castle, that makes it just so much better than any place i mean yeah you could stay at the holiday inn out by the interstate but it's not the same baby kpqr.torc at gmail.com for any and all of these things um and please do uh i will do my best to be convivial and informative uh all the way around um and we will see what all happens next. We're talking about newspaper comics, and the deadline for next week's program is uh, in the evening of the 6th, Monday, June 6th, 2022, say about 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. And uh, if you get it in later than that, uh, we'll quake reversal, satellite it, call it a follow-up, and everybody's happy. Uh, that's really... And when there's this stuff that comes in, it makes me so much more likely to do a quake reversal satellite. That show has just become... Uh, it, it's gone from very regular to quasi-regular to sporadic to uh, 
<laughs> Every now and then, when the mood strikes. Oh, boy. Anyhow, uh, I hope we all had fun here. Uh, very short overnight scape central but uh this is what we needed it's a holiday week and um i've got so much other material here there will be uh i shot some video of odds and ends from the trip that'll be going up on my pq river youtube channel where there's all kinds of other stuff as well and um yeah we will reconnoiter here next week uh if not on a quake reversal satellite in the coming week and uh as always we keep the controls set for the heart of the fun and uh please you do it too it, it, it's so much better this way